hey, Ben, how'd you celebrate Easter this year? Uh, well, you know, I celebrated it that morning with family and friends. And then that evening, I, um, you know, I enjoyed a dinner. I actually went to bed pretty early. Paul, how did you spend Easter this year? How did you celebrate it? I celebrated it the way that any good Christian would. How was that? By watching the smash, read smash as you will, Broadway <laughs> hit, Diana the Musical with my Sweetness. mom. Yeah, that sounds like awesome, uh, an awesome Easter. You want to talk about it? Let's let's dive in. Let's dive let's in. Let's do it. Welcome cool. to the reviewers. We're on a mission from God. All right, Ben, we saw it. We saw Diana, the musical. We gave listeners a heads up at the end of the last podcast our first podcast and said look we want to be fair as we look at these works of cinematic art uh, you know and and say we're going to look at the ones that are um that are lauded and and beloved and we're going to look at the ones um that you know, are on the opposite side of that coin as well. And so we said, if we're going to look at the best picture of the year, then we need to look at what some people believe was the absolute worst picture of the year. And so for that, we turn to the, um, the, the Razzie awards that are given out uh, the same weekend as the Oscars every year. And, and there was one movie that had a very strong presence at the Razzies this year. Left them. And it was Diana, the musical. Yeah. You know, Paul, for you to even say that this is the opposite side of the coin of a movie like Coda, uh, it's a disservice to Coda for you to even say that or even make the you know comparison that these are on even the same coin. This is not even uh, remotely right. close to Coda. That's, that's a good point. It's like Abraham Lincoln's face on one side. And then, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something much less patriotic on the other, yeah. maybe. Um, yeah, okay. Well, you're not alone in thinking that, Ben. Um, it won four Razzies. Uh, it nabbed worst screenplay, worst supporting actress for Judy Kay as the Queen of England. And oh, yeah. uh, also, she played Barbara Cartland. And uh, it I won. I thought that, that was her, too. I thought yeah. that she both yeah persons. yeah it was uh so it also won worst actress for gina deward as princess diana it won worst director for christopher ashley and as we said it also <laughs> won worst picture i never really realized that the razzies give like worst director that's like a per that's personal that's not like that's just like yeah you're the this is the worst possible work that you could contribute to the world um yeah and you did anyways yeah they can yeah. it's it they can get pretty pretty um pretty personal pretty hurtful with uh, yeah. it's pretty, i always thought what, i was joking actually yeah. this, this is, these people need pastoral care no yeah, it's what's keeping me out of making movies i'll tell you that much right now because fear of I, yeah fear of Arazi. otherwise i'd be in hollywood um so <laughs> Uh, it also got 12% critic reviews on Rotten Tomato, 32% audience reviews. 
um, you know, which is maybe higher than some might expect. But uh, it was actually it, it, this is a movie that's really a, a filming of a uh, Broadway play, um, a Broadway musical. Uh, so it, it opened on Broadway November 17th of 2021. It closed after a little over 30 viewing or showings uh, on December the 19th of 2021. And um, there were lots of delays and stuff due to COVID. It was supposed to open earlier. But uh, before it opened, they filmed a version of it for Netflix. And so it hit Netflix. And I had not heard about it until I heard that it yeah, got no. the Razzie. Yeah, probably intentionally so on Netflix's part. I don't think they um, they advertised like it, it really hard, yeah. very heavily. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but but you can find it on there and you can watch it. And um, as I mentioned in our little intro, I watched it on Easter Sunday evening um, with my mom, and that was important to me because I'm I'm not a royal watcher uh do you are you are you a royal family guy i have an interesting story i mean i'm not a part of it you know but i oh. did meet okay. a member of the royal family a few years ago i was over in england for a year um and i met uh oh shoot uh prince charles's brother um not the uh, not not the uh the one that is going through all types of political uh and personal right. Uh, right. issues um, but I met Prince Edward, who's the okay. Earl of Wessex. Um, and I wish I brought that photo. I'd show it to you. Uh, oh. I had a chance to greet him. And I, let me tell you this interesting story. I had to get training in how to in, meet him and how to, like, engage with him. Like, they had to sit down and give us a little 10-minute brief tutorial on, like, you don't extend your hand first. He extends his hand first. You don't really, like make eye contact until like until it's like clearly like that he has your attention and he's addressing you it was this very interesting protocol that you had to follow in order to just meet this guy and it was just to give him a tour of the new building that that we were in i just happened to be a part of that year anyways wild wild so i have a little bit of like love for them and fascination by them yeah, yeah. but i wouldn't say i'm like a devotee of the of the royal family i'm not like following them around and following all the headlines i understand yeah. what did his hand feel like uh, royalty. There's no doubt. Yeah. I mean, it was there were no calluses. Absolutely no calluses on that hand. I'm nice, sure nice, was, uh, crisp, slick hand, huh? Totally. It was. It was like, um, yeah. It was just. It was like holding a cloud. I mean, he, he, he mm. just. Yeah. It was just soft, compassionate, but definitely firm. Um, right. It it's in the like, blood. It felt it's like in the blood. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's in, totally in the blood. So. <laughs> oh man. Well, that's good. Well, yes. So I, I've I've not even gotten that close to the royal family. I um, but I remember as I was growing up, my mom uh, really just, you know, she, she loved like reading about sort of these famous families. And so she got real into the Kennedys and she also got real into the royal family and real swept up in um, the drama and the saga of Princess Di and so I knew that when we decided we would watch this, that I needed her with me to help verify, okay, like what are this, how much of this is true, all that sort of stuff. So, Did so she still watch like the, the current generation of Royal family or is she kind of like, she watched Di and Charles and that wedding, but she's not really paying attention to. Yeah. She's not in it as much. She's like, um, you know, like 
yeah she she doesn't keep up with the megan and the harry and you know william and kate all that yeah. is it kate yeah, yeah it's kate yeah. I think. yep yeah and uh so she's she's more of like the original like star wars original trilogy type of person and doesn't, doesn't care as much about the the newer stuff i guess all of england is rolling over in its grave for you considering queen elizabeth to be the original of the royal family <laughs> that would be <laughs> she's like she's more of an original person she's a big uh, charles oh charles is the og of uh, of england cool that's a good point that's a- <laughs> uh so yeah so any did did you watch it uh with your wife did you subject her to it it? entirely by myself no i did not in fact she called while i was watching it and i answered the phone before i had the chance to pause it and she said dear lord what are you watching and i was (laughs) i had to explain to her and she was like why on earth did you choose that and i said paul made me do it this is paul's choice (laughs) paul Paul is making me watch this. Um, and, and to be fair, I'm a, like a big, I'm a big musical person. Like I grew yes, up going to, we, like we all, um, my family is like diehard musicals, like huge, um, uh, you know, Andrew Lloyd Webber fans and stuff. And we had the season tickets to the local theater that would have the Broadway touring com- company through. I mean, I've seen tons of them. And, and for the most part, I'm like 50, 50 on the ones that have been turned into movies. Like, like some of them are really well done and I like them a lot. And some of them, you know, I could, I, I would much rather see it on, on the stage. Um, but yeah, but this was, uh, so I came into it like hoping for, I mean, I was pulling for it. You know, right, right. I was, okay. I wasn't a skeptic. I'm not a person that's anti-musical and therefore I don't like anything that's musical. I'm pulling for it big time. Absolutely. Okay. Well then I think that's going to, to season um, our responses on this next question. So it's it, not going to be hard to tell, but just to verify, what, what were your thoughts on the movie? Paul, I watched that movie last night and I woke up this morning and I can't remember a single thing that happened in it. I mean, I like I remember like two songs. There was absolutely nothing memorable about it. I mean, I'm not going to go so far as to say that it's like the worst actress and the worst um, and the worst director. I can't really I'm not a gauge of directors um, in that sense. Uh, those are those seem to be personal jabs, but it was uh, hard to get through. It was incredibly hard to watch that whole thing all the way through. I mean, I was, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I was like eager when Gabby called me in the middle of the uh, uh, performance for me to like take a break and pause and just be like, okay, let's talk about something else for a little bit. So right. Right. Not a big fan. How about you? Uh, sorry if like you're a big fan. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I can assure you I'm not a big fan, um, but I will say this. And this this pushes against my my urges of of uh, wanting to be an agreer and a people pleaser and all these things. But Ben, darn it. <laughs> I kind of like this movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. And I think I think this is what the, the case is. You, you mentioned coming in with um, expectations, not expectations, but uh you know, wanting to root for it, like hoping that it could be, I, I was coming in just preparing myself that this is going to be terrible. Uh, just that I, I was not eager at all. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, I was granting a lot of credit to, uh, 
all the critics and and the the givers of the Razzies of the world and and so I mean my expectations couldn't have been lower I was headed for a miserable time I thought and you know I watched it and maybe it was contextual again it was a Easter Sunday had a great service at church, you know, spirits are high. You're riding the, the resurrection, you know, I'm there with my mom and, and, and my dad and, and, um, you know, they're, uh, you know, and enjoying it, I suppose. And it's just, you know, I think it was one of those things where it was, um, it, it wasn't nearly as terrible as I thought it was going to be. Um, and so, yeah, I, I what is it? Would I recommend this movie? I no, I don't really think so. Um, but but I, do I think it's the worst movie absolutely of of twenty twenty one? I mean, no, I don't think so. Like, I didn't I didn't walk away feeling like I wasted uh, what was it two hours maybe just shy it was of that very long. Yes, <laughs> it was very your, long. Your viewing was seven hours. Um, it was, it took was... about seven hours to get through it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> It was going in slow motion. So, so that was that was um, my my what thinking. Would have been on like it. the worst. I mean, I, so yeah. So, Paul, here's the thing. I can't remember anything about it. Um, I can't remember you. You made a joke earlier about one of the songs, and I was trying my hardest to remember the tune to that song as you're making the joke, and I was like, I can't figure it out where it was. I mean, I there you know. You can barely find the lyrics of any of these uh, songs, even online. Um, I was like looking them up and I was like, maybe there's something there that I can find. And you had to be very specific and say like dying of the musical in order to get any of the specific lyrics. It's, it's just an, it's, I mean, maybe the only thing worse would have been if like the set had fallen through, like in the middle of the production or something like that. But I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have put that on Netflix, but it was painfully to me, it was painfully, uh, too comprehensive of her life it went from it went so quickly um you're right frustrating about it it was like from um yeah it just kind of hit all of the peak moments of her life and you didn't get any character development of at all i mean that's true it was yeah yeah Yeah, that that is that's a very fair critique um it uh yeah you got everything from you know the, the start of the relationship and um you know getting engaged and getting married and and yeah it was boom 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 um from one step right to the other um and uh so you're absolutely right in that regard and you take that and you compare it to the other big princess diana movie that came out this year spencer with kristen stewart uh did you get to see that i haven't seen it yet have you yeah yeah i saw it um and i was very good yeah, it it was very well reviewed um, for a, for a while. Uh, people were saying that Kristen Stewart was a lock for for the Oscar for that. She didn't get it. She, uh, Jessica Chastain did, but um, uh, but I'd I'd have been in favor of it. I, I thought she did a great job, um, and she was very compelling. It um, you know, it's a unique movie. It's definitely um, it it's not a feel gooder. Uh, which oddly I feel like at times this, this musical tried to be, which is, which is hard when given the subject matter. But, um, but what it did is it focused on basically, I mean, not even a week of her life. And so you did get more of that, um, you know, more, more 
of an intense look into a um, just certain period of her life. And it, it was toward the, the end of their marriage. And um, you're seeing the um, some of the worst of what she's had to put up with and things. So, but yeah, yeah I would, I would recommend watching that. It's, it's I mean, would probably I mean, be a good palate yeah. cleanser for you. I mean, cause oh, yeah, I, I definitely need something. Um, and hopefully your, your explanation of why you think this movie is uh, even adequate is um, going to be a palate cleanser um, and help me uh, save this movie. I just didn't think that the storytelling was very good. You know, I think it just kind of dropped you in the middle of her like life. Um, and I, I mean, I don't know, make it like a flashback or something like that. Right. I mean, start off mm. the scene as like, like the end of her life. And then in those moments, like, or whatever, that night that she's like, you know, going through the tunnel or whatever, and then mm. make it a flashback of her life or something like that. I mean, just the storytelling just dropped you in the middle of this thing. And then just kind of, just, I don't know. Yeah. I'm no Broadway consultant or musical consultant, but I got a few things that I think I could offer. <laughs> to, to <this laughs> so maybe Christopher Ashley, maybe, 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 maybe that Razzie's well-deserved. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. So tell me what you like about it, man, because I need, I need you to help me save this thing. Okay. So I liked, um, I guess I never really, I, I was young while so much of that was happening and I, I wasn't paying a, much attention to it. And so just getting to see some of the things that she did really was, I recognized why people um, fell in love with her. Like they did uh, that, you know, the, the people's princess is what they they called her and um and i get that she seemed to be at least from the way that she's depicted in this movie you know very um very loving very um innocently naive you know very um at least at the beginning very very trusting and hopeful and all that sort of stuff um i like how like she was smart in a lot of ways, like it, when things got to the end and, and, you know, the, the press has been this um, machine almost that's just been eating her up and causing her all this pain. And then she kind of flips that on its head and says, no, I'm going to use the press to my advantage. And so she, she helps uh, consult on uh, the memoir that's written about her and, and, and yeah. everything. And she, right. she uses that to kind of get her story out there. Um, she, uh, I guess, I guess on the reviewers podcast, um, we can, we can say this, but she, she wears the FU dress, um, which is what they, I mean, they write a song about it and I guess that's the way it's popularly, uh, yeah. referred to. Um, but, uh, a dress that she wore that made her look, you know, very, it is very flattering to her. And she wore it when Charles was going live on TV to, uh, kind of give, his side of the story and things. And um, I mean, that was, that's very, very savvy and very like, you know, I'm not going to take this line down type of type of spirit. So um, yeah. I, I like seeing those elements of, of a person, because I can imagine it would be pretty tough to be that way. At least it would for me, if sure. you are in such a position as she was, I mean, you're a part of the Royal family and, and, and everything. And, um, for her just ultimately to, to be her own person, um, you know, so, so maybe I liked it more for just like her reintroducing right. me to who Diana was, um, right. and, and my, you know, I could care less maybe about what, uh, the way it's presented. I just like, you like what's in the package. Her. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I still remember, I don't know if you remember, I mean, I, I remember where I was when uh, I got the news of Princess Diana dying um, mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the tunnel. Like it was my sister's freshman year of college and she was home for fall break or something, I think, maybe spring, I think it was fall, in the fall, I can't remember. Um, maybe it was in the spring though. Um, and, and she came home and I remember just being on the back porch of our house a little glassed in kind of patio and having a small little TV out there and, and, and watching that. But I clearly like it stands out as a point for me because um, because it was so tragic, right? Because you said that she is the she's a common person. She's an everyday mm-hmm. person that was kind of thrust into this life that, you know, after watching the movie and after kind of digging a little bit more to her background, maybe was not necessarily fully her choice um, to be um, uh, like, like, um, put in the spotlight in that way. Um, but then she made the spotlight her own. Um, as you, as you said, she was savvy enough to be able to do that and to, then to use it for the benefit of so many wonderful things, um, mm-hmm. which is, a, which is a great way of kind of using the, the, the hand that you're dealt right in order to, to, to point towards something bigger, which might be a theological theme just in general to explore. But I think that it, there is something beautiful about that. I do. I, I hear you on that. Diane is amazing. I think she's great. Um, you know, it's fascinating for uh, in that one year that I had uh, over there um, in England. It was fascinating to hear the mixed reviews of her, though. Uh, hmm. She's not quite as like uh, just among small groups of friends and casual conversation. She um, she was not necessarily like as as uh, lauded as she is here in the United yeah. States. Um, it didn't seem like she was universally loved. Um, I mean, there are people who will, who will stand beside the Royal family till the day they die. And they are just loyal loyalists, if you will. Um, and they, they thought a little bit, uh, less of Diana thought that she was too much of, a um, uh, taking advantage of it, uh, kind of how she's right. probably portrayed as the, by the Royal family. Um, right. um, didn't know what she was doing way in over, like didn't, didn't bring respect to the crown, you know, mm-hmm. um, the way that people, you know, so it was fascinating to hear a different perspective um, from people while there. Yeah. But you made yeah. an interesting point just a second ago about, um, about like wanting to be just a normal person that, you know, just um, not necessarily wanting that life. And it was fascinating. Uh, you just wonder like if the Royal family just wants to just kind of cut loose a little bit. Um, I mean, you kind of see it in this generation, um, obviously yeah. with like Harry, um, mm-hmm of not necessarily wanting, wanting a person that goes before you kind of the prep, you know, person giving a tutorial to everyone you meet about how they're supposed to um, be introduced. Yeah, to the seriously, world. seriously. Kind of pretty, so. so, so yeah, let's, let's take that as an on-ramp then into sort of more of the theological discussion in, in this conversation. I, I found there to be lots of connections, um, um, to the idea of, of old ways versus new ways, you know, and, Mm. um, you know, Diana represented, you know, new, new ways. Uh, One of the songs about her is she moves in the most modern ways. I I don't know if that was the name of the song or if it's just part of the the chorus, but, um, that's what they said often about her. She moves in the most modern ways. And uh, very early on, she and Charles, I think their first date, he takes her to see this world renowned Russian cellist and everything. And he's talking about all this stuff that, you know, is like what 19 year old girl would care at all about. And she's, you know, sitting there dreaming about, 
eighties, you know, pop bands that who are, who are, you know, popular at that time. And, um, and so there's obviously this contrast it. And at one point he says to her, um, there are centuries and centuries of protocol that she ignores. And, um, you know, it, it, it just, it got me to thinking about, I've heard it said that, you know, what, what are the, what are the six words that, um, can kill a church? We've always done it that way. I think that's yeah. six words. Um, count, correct yeah. me. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, good. Um, yeah, we've always done it that way. The, the old ways and, um, and this is no new idea. We see it all we see it throughout scripture as well. Jesus ran up against this, um, and this idea of, of, um, sub submitting ourselves, uh, into the uh, workings of a system that not is no longer relevant, but that's, um, maybe not, up to date or quite in step with where we are at, at this time. And that, you know, um, systems have to be malleable in, in a way. And, and, you know, I think that that is the tension with, with the Royal family and why now, I mean, how relevant is it really? It's, it's not, it's there, it's purely ceremonial. I mean, it's just there because we've always had it, but what purpose really does it serve it doesn't actually i mean and, and i'm speaking as a you know an american who really does not investigate this stuff so i could be completely wrong but i mean when the big debates are being had and the big decisions are being made and brexit is being negotiated and all that sort of stuff you know it's not it's not queen elizabeth who's who's in there in parliament you know making mm. decisions or anything like that and um and and so i think it's gotten that way because you know if you try to keep this old system in a modern world or a world that you know is um free and flowing and moving and changing and growing um yeah. it's it's going to be hard and and that's i think that's what happened to diana she was free and flowing and of the modern world putting herself into an antiquated and unchanging um system and um religion even we might say if you want to put it in in that terms of structure of sure. of ceremony and and ritual and all this sort of stuff and um and and she got crushed by the gears yeah you know there's a interesting you're 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 uh, yeah you're you're you just kind of unpacked and or at least pulled the string of this whole thread that's been uh, that's that, that the church is facing right now in general like all of us i think as a church is facing especially in, in light of covid um yeah covid is has pointed some some um some chinks in the armor of like of the church of like where where it's uh not you you think i mean you know where it's not as up to speed as we'd like it to be or as as cutting edge as we would hope it to be and and I think one of the great temptations we we've read a book as a church staff for uh, on several occasions now um, uh, on like courageous leadership and 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 it talks about the dangers and the temptations that churches face and particularly leaders face and one of the greatest temptations is the um, the temptation of nostalgia uh, and going back mm. to the way things were and and the idea that 
nostalgia isn't necessarily just even looking back and at, at the past with rose colored glasses. It is, it is like the telling of a big fish story about how over yes. time, as you tell that story, it got bigger and better and the past was bigger and better. And you just, you've created this whole construct in your mind of how the past used to be. And it wasn't that good. I mean, it, well, right. it, it was never that good. You were complaining about stuff then. And it just reminds me, obviously, of the people of Israel, right, um, in the Exodus, as they are moving mm -hmm. into the wilderness, <laughs> and how quickly, like, they're they're freed from Egypt. And and I'll be, if they don't go out there, and as, as soon as they kind of face hardship in the middle of this transition season of life, as they're transitioning out of Egypt into the wilderness, being led into the promised land, and they are complaining immediately about how great it was back in enslavement in um, in Egypt, how life was so great. God just put us back in, in Egypt. We At least we knew where food was coming from. At least we had better stuff to eat. And they, they dream of like all of these things that they once had in Egypt, even though they were enslaved. And at the time yes. they were crying to get yes. out of it. And it's just the nature of, of transition. And when you have seasons of transition um, and, and people of transition. And I think that Diana is one of those persons of transitions. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they, um, the last song is like, even, I think it's even the last line is, is something to the effect of like, um, it's never the people who you expect to change the world who change the world or something like that. I think that's yep. something, something like that. Uh, yep. Uh, in fact, I wrote it down. Yeah. The people who will change the world are not the people you think will change the world. Right, exactly. And she's like that person in a way of, 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 um, of being a person of transitional leadership who's like, I don't even know if she was intentionally trying, you know, you can look at her life and say some of the decisions that she made, was she intentionally trying to move the royal family forward in Europe right. forward, or England forward, sorry? Um, or was she just doing what she could do in the moment? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah she's pivotal, obviously. You know, it made me think of, of another musical uh, movie. Um, not necessarily Broadway play, but, uh, you know, that has been remade multiple times, um, most recently by Mr. Bradley Cooper, um, right. and a star is born. And w my favorite song from that film is, uh, the old ways. And, you know, right off the bat, uh, it, he says, maybe it's time to let the old ways die. Yep. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. It takes a lot to change a man. Hell, it takes a lot to try. Maybe yeah. it's time we let the old ways die. Uh, and that's that's meant a lot to me over uh, my journey for the last couple of years. And um, I think that that's that that's true in a lot of ways. You know, we can we can revere the past. We can honor the past. We can love and be grateful for the past, because if not for the past, we wouldn't be where we are. And there's a way even to to carry pieces of 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 the past um, with us today so that we uh, preserve it and and cherish it but let us not be tied to it you know i think of you know jesus talking about the spirit of god you know to nicodemus and he says the spirit is like the wind you can't see where it comes from or where it's going you know it's just something that you get caught up in and um you can't get caught up in the spirit if you're trapped in um <laughs> something that's not free-flowing and right, and right. that um right is is rigid and unmovable and so yeah. yeah and i wonder you know i think the reason we do it is because out of fear of um the reason we kind of live in the past a little bit and kind of honor it in the way and is because a fear of if you don't then somehow you're dismissing it or you're dismissing right. what god was doing in that moment 
um, in that season of life, like in the, or in that way that once was mm-hmm. an appropriate way for, for whatever it is for the church, for like, you know, and, um, and I don't think that, the, you know, Willie Jennings, he's the, he's the professor over, he, he's up at Yale now. Um, and he said, he wrote in his book, he's got a great book on, on Acts, um, uh, Acts of the Apostles, and it's a, it's a brilliant book, but it's, I think it's called Christian Imagination, and it's about, uh, no, sorry, um, uh, it's, it's, it's his commentary on Acts of the Apostles, but he talks about, um, particularly in Acts, as the apostles are facing like life post-Jesus, hmm. um, how is it that they live in the, uh, stuck between uh, what God has said or what God said and what God is saying through the Holy spirit and learning to live between those two. Hmm. And especially when it seems as if God is saying something different than what God, or that, that runs counter yes. and perhaps yes. even conflicts with what God said in the past. Right. Yeah. And like, um, you know, and you, you, you know, the story obviously of, um, of Peter and the, and the Gentiles and, and, and yep. speaking to, um, and, and how it's kind of a, don't call something profane that God is, you know, um, not said profane. And so it's, it's a, it's a fascinating place that we live in, um, and it transitions and, and, and trying to learn how to follow the spirit. In those yeah. Ways. Yeah. You're right. I mean, they were, they were living in, it's almost as if they're shifting from this idea of God as a static God to a dynamic God, you know, yeah, right. Uh, right. um, and, you know, and, and, yeah, bless their hearts. Right. I mean, that's like pretty yeah. revolutionary and e- even, you know, I mean, they, I can imagine it was really, really hard for some people to sit and hear Jesus go through something like the sermon on the Mount and say, you have heard it said, but I say say to you, yeah. And, and, and it can seem like a, a dismissal of the past or like, but you know, but he's, was the first to tell him, I, I don't come to destroy the law. I come to fulfill the law. Right. And so yeah. we, we have to be able to look at the, the past as, you know, if we look at the world with this idea that we are still incomplete, that means that every little thing, if we're doing it right, and if we are progressing, then everything that happens is a step toward greater completeness. So mm-hmm. like, Mm-hmm. what was said before it it doesn't have to be you know our understanding it now is just a fuller understanding right. of what it was it's not it's not you don't have to say it's contradictory or you don't have to say it's it's um it was irrelevant or anything like that it's it was needed then to because it's helped us to get to now and now it, we're here and one day where we will be it's going to look different than where we are now. And if for some reason, it's just been, it's always been harder. It seems for humans to, to get yeah. that. You know, I had a, that, that you just said something that reminded me of something a friend said to me a long time ago that I thought was the most ludicrous thing I'd ever heard when he said it. he was saying, what would you hope, you know, think a hundred years from now, what do you hope it is that your grandkids are saying about your legacy and who you are as a person? And, and, you know, we kind of went around the table and everybody's like, well, I hope they think I'm honorable. I hope they think I'm like compassionate, that I'm loving, that I'm a kind, that I like taught them. Da, 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 da. And he said, I hope that my kids say that I was the most racist person that they had ever met. Because I hope that society has moved forward in such a way that they wow. can't help but look back at me and think, 
oh yeah, he had some things wrong in his, the way that he viewed the world. Um, and he had some things like a little bit backwards uh, about like the ways in which, you know, life was in the assumptions about life and things like that. Anyways, it was just, a. am not saying I necessarily fully agree with that sentiment, but it cracked open for right. me an understanding of like, yeah, you, you hope that your next generation builds on what mm. you've taught them such a way that if that means that to some extent they have to kind of not contradict, but they have to kind of enhance or better, or maybe even let go of some things that you taught mm -hmm. them in order to, mm -hmm. to move sure. forward, then so be it. Um, sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, and that, that's not one of those stories where you talk about your friend being the one who says this, but you're just saying that because you don't really want us to think it was you who said it, right? <laughs> yeah. I had this friend. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, Think about, I think about my, my grandma, bless her heart. Like, I mean, wonderful, like wonderful woman, love her to death. Taught me so many, so many good things, a product of her culture. And, right. Right. and, you know, I remember her saying things that I was just like, even at a, a young age, recognizing that, mm, yeah, it doesn't work that way anymore, right. grandma. And like being grateful that I recognized that. But also being able to recognize that that there are, you know, she had just there are yeah. too many things that were set in place too many years ago um, for that to change with her. But that doesn't mean but that it can't be different with me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I hope that that's, that's you know, along a similar lines. I mean, I hope that my grandkids kind of say a similar thing about my faithfulness. And I hope that they say, man, our granddad, he was like a good guy, but he, you know, he had his doubts or he had his, you know, he, he, I wish, you know, his faith was not nearly as strong as ours is. He was like the least faithful person in our family. And I hope that they say that only in the sense of like, um, of them being so deeper rooted in their faith. And, mm. and, and, and what that doesn't mean is like, um, certainty of everything, but they are more, um, um, attuned to the work of the spirit in their lives and in the world around them. And they are more fully dependent on God and fully dependent on the love of Christ in a way that like, you know, that, that it makes me look like a, uh, just a, a heathen. Right. I mean, right. Like, you know, right. Um, yeah. You, you hope that for your kids, right. Yeah. And to, to not hope for that, um, to think anything different, I think is really just, it, it's, 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 um, it's, it's, it's disheartening to me when people, yeah. when people, yeah. want, you know, so what we're really saying, because I know our dads are listening, what we're really saying are is dads, we're way better than you and we know it and it's okay. And it is okay. Let it go. Just you know what? Go. Good Speaking job. Good job yeah. for making us so much better than you. Yeah. You know, um, I have a much nastier three point shot than you did, uh, but thank you for <laughs> your ways. Yeah. I'm just oh, okay. So, so, um, you know, that's, that's one thing that I uh, certainly, um, was, was picking up on. Um, another one that kept popping up to me was this idea of fantasy. Um, I did not realize that, uh, Diana, she, she grew up reading, um, these not, well, she, her mom left when she was something like six years old, five years old, six years old and, uh, abandoned her pretty much. And so she, grew up reading these um, like love story novels um, that were just 
you know, very schlocky apparently and, and very predictable and very, um, you know, by the book, happy ending fairy tale type of fantasy stories. And her dad actually ended up marrying the author of uh, those those books, the popular series that she was into. And so really ingrained in her was this um, idea of of fantasy and being um you know i'm not saying that she grew up thinking one day i'm going to marry the prince of england but but you know ideas adjacent to that like that 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 sort of thing can happen and and happily ever after can be true and all that sort of stuff and uh the at least the musical suggests that that might have been uh, part of of what was in her mind when the opportunity did come her way to uh, marry a prince and and that sort of thing and uh, yeah as we all know her life you know tragically demonstrates that um, that fantasy is you know at least in this sense is false or is um, does not always work out the way that uh, we uh, wish for it. Uh, too uh and it, it you know struck with me that idea of writing our own stories versus letting them unfold you know mm-hmm. she grew up reading these fantasy stories and so she let her yeah. life sort of take the uh, adopt the plot of one and um and that that really messed her up um, as opposed to what what might have been different if it had just unfolded and and not just I'm not like trying to place blame on her or anything I mean the you know on the other side of that relationship again at least as the musical presents it I don't know if this was actually historically accurate but um, there were people on the royal side trying to find the person who would be the right fit right the person who would look best and oh here's this storybook you know cute little uh preschool teacher assistant and um you know she's humble uh and uh and and oh just what a wonderful love story this would make you know charles's mom is saying yeah that would look good and charles is the woman that he loves, <laughs> Camilla Parker Bowles, <laughs> is saying, yeah, that would look good. Um, and everybody's so wrapped up in what would look good that they um, nobody is paying attention to their own feelings. And maybe right. that's another thing, too. Nobody is granting legitimacy to the things that they feel and recognizing that maybe within us there's some sort of compass um, that we need to pay attention to. Uh, mm. That will help guide us into the places where God has, you know, crafted us to be best fit. Mm, yeah, it's interesting, like just to think about, yeah, where I don't know you, because you don't want to, you don't want to um, crush dreams, right? But there's, you don't want to uh, uh, discourage imagination right, at an early age and like possibility and all those things. At the same time, there is a level of like how do you faithfully, like, how do you faithfully live into that? Um, and how do you, how do you appreciate those things that you can see almost for yourself and for others that could be in the future? And how do you live into that in a way that's faithful, but also, um, kind of holding on loosely to, to, to those things. Um, 
you know, and how do you, how do you yeah. have the spirit guide? I mean, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm probably the best person in the world at making a five-year plan. Uh, I'm really good at crafting them for myself and where I'm going to be. Never once has it ever, uh, have I ever uh, achieved what was on my five-year plan. Like I just right. don't, I, you know, because something happens, life happens, curveballs happen, um, things happen. And, and, you know, to be a person that plans, plans, plans and in this world of a self-help world of like, of, of where it encourages five-year plans and where it encourages like mapping out your life and how do you get to X goal? Um, you know, it's a, it's a dangerous place to be because it causes kids or young people, or even someone who is like in his twenties, who is still kind of doing that type of thing. It's disheartening when you don't hit it, you know, when you don't reach mm. what it, when life yeah. doesn't look like you thought it was going to be, or even like what you were working for it to be, uh, working yeah. towards. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's, that's tough. That's a good, that's a good point. I mean, cause it's, it's not to blame her, but at the same time, sure. there is a, a whole thread of like, just um, how, how the pitfalls of, um, of not being able to appreciate what's in front of you not being able to kind of map out, or not being able to let go of like the idyllic life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, it makes me think of when Jesus talks about, you know, the person who loves their life will lose it, but the person who loses their life for my sake will yeah. find it. And, um, you know, if you love your life, yeah. uh, to the point where you're, you're, you're mapping it out and you want to control every aspect of it and all that sort of stuff. And you're, and you are getting almost so restrictive and, 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 and rigid about it that much like these old antiquated systems we were, we were just talking about, you know, you don't give space in there for a lot of freedom and flowing of, of the spirit, then, um, you're, then you're going to, to lose it because you, life rarely ends up like we um might fantasize that it could be but if we give up our need to control it um then and and throw ourselves into the wind nicodemus then we might discover something that's greater than anything we could have ever written on our own you know and yeah I'm, i'm with you man it's not to discourage like the dreaming or anything like that, because I, I, re- I really do believe like, like if you've, if you've got a passion in your heart, then you, you go after it and you right. follow that. Um, but I think just be loose enough with, um, with the end point, yeah. um, follow that passion, but be, um, but be open-ended about where it can take you uh, because it might just take you somewhere. You think that this is, this could be the best thing in the world. Um, this, this ending point, but, you know, God might say, yeah, you don't even know though <laughs> about this whole other opportunity. Right. Yeah. It's a different, it's a, it's a, it's something that I'm not sure is taught well is the difference being able, between being able to, to hone in on your passion and your, the thing that like gives you that burning desire inside of like, this is me versus what is cast upon you from the outside as being mm-hmm. this, this should be what your goal should be. Um, right. And I think that it's it's very tempting in our world to um, to just picture the 2.5 kids white picket fence um, you know lifestyle as that being like the that's when you've achieved or that's when you've realized or you know or being becoming a millionaire whatever whatever like hitting that first million by the time you're 30 whatever it is um, that being the 
the measure of success. And therefore that is what your drive is. Like that's a drive that's cast upon you by the world. It's, ref it's a reflection mm -hmm. of the world around mm -hmm. you, right? Like, but artists and, and people who are um, nurses and people who are, are, are like doctors who have that internal, like whatever it is that they just know. I mean, that's, that's a different thing altogether. Um, yeah. I had a friend, it kind of makes me think of this uh, professor that I had that, uh, um, or actually it wasn't a professor. It was a guy that I heard speak one time. Is his name, I think his name is Benjamin Zander. He was a, he was the, uh, he's a conductor. Um, and, uh, you know, has just a very interesting way of viewing the world as life as a conductor. He's up in Boston, the Boston area. I think this was 15 years ago that I heard him speak. And I remember him, um, having this perspective on life and he's very flamboyant and all over the place and just really funny, but very strict in, uh, when he needs to be because he's a conductor. He has to get people where they need to be in terms of getting a orchestra to a certain place. And he just, he embraced this idea of like, whenever you made a mistake uh, in life to say how fascinating, instead of like, cur like cursing yourself and being frustrated. Mm. And it's also just true kind of when life throws you a curveball um, or when things don't end up as you thought they were going to be, instead of like weeping and moaning and, you know, um, whatever it might be, be able to, being able to say like how fascinating that yeah. life is here is right. a little bit of a way of being able to see the beauty of where you are and the road that you're on, as opposed to being so caught up in like the road that is no longer going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good point. Yeah. That's great. How fascinating. Have you read, have you read Kate Bowler's new book? Uh, so she has that book, um, Good Enough. Have you read that? Do you have no, I've, I've not read that one. Yep. It's a, it's a 40, it's 40 devotionals. Um, on it kind of they just take that look at life differently you know she's she's a fascinating author to me and um mm -hmm. I, I love her her work she she does put things into a different perspective and she wrote she writes uh, one of the devotionals is a lament for the self that you thought you were going <laughs> to be right or, uh, or for the self that you lost um yeah like the childhood dream of who you were going to be at age 30 or whatever it might be um, and the need to lament that and and but being able to let go of that is a is a um, really important and healthy spiritual yeah. thing to do. Uh, right? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, yeah, and and I think the tragedy of Diana's life and and uh, is is the the musical ended with her. I think being on the other end of that lament and and recognizing like the fantasy was never a thing. Right. But now I'm free and now and she's singing about all these things that she's going to do. Yeah. And and um, as she's singing, they start to overplay the uh, news of yeah. you know, there's news coming out of France and it's the news of her car crash and and, you know, all the it's, there's all these flashbulbs and then they just, you know, die out one by one by one by one until there's, it's just blackness. And, and that's kind of the, the tragedy I think of that story is she was, um, you know, very much just not on the cusp of life because she had lived and she had had children and, and she, you know, um, but she was on the cusp of getting to reap the benefits of the hard lessons that she had learned. And, and then, it was snuffed out. So that it indeed is quite sad, but, you know, talk about the thing, talking about the things that are forced, you know, on us. And, and, and I think a lot of us do write these fantasies for ourselves because we see it played out in the world and we assume, well, that's what you have to do. One of those things 
is is marriage right yeah. and it's marriage at a um not you we're seeing this change some now but yeah. marriage at a younger age right she was not yeah well 19 when they started dating yeah, yeah so i right. i don't know about when they got married probably 20 um and he was he was 32 and the that's where the pressure kept coming was yeah. from like you know the royal side of thing was look you're you are on up there you have got to get married you have got to have an heir all that sort of stuff and so you know making these huge life decisions out of a sense of pressure and and duty um one of the recurring quotes in the in the film is you do your duty for country and and your honor again forget about your emotions your emotions don't matter um and so it forced them to get married um arguably when maybe they didn't need to and i think if we're really honest um and this can be hard work as as pastors because you know what are some of the main things that we get called to do ben even if even if these folks aren't in the pews on a sunday morning we get called to marry them and bury them and um and you know it's it's easy when when we're young or or whatever else to um maybe be wrapped up in a fantasy about this is all going to be easy and and work out perfectly or you know feel this societal pressure or familial pressure or whatever to go ahead and make a move that's quicker than we're ready for and um and i think that you know it's not a secret to say that a a lot of marriages deal with the ramifications of that later on um what are your thoughts about about that you know divorce or or you know marriage all that yeah i mean it's tough i you know i i think that um this is a uh obviously something huge that we 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 address as pastors is obviously you're there for, for a lot of weddings um, and, and I've been fortunate to be a part of that. And, you know, I think, um, unfortunately though, you also deal with a lot of divorces too. And and so I've had a, a few cases, um, not a ton. I mean, I've only been in ministry for, um, for, for professional kind of ordained ministry for uh, four years. And so it hasn't been an ex- extensive amount of time that I've done uh, both of the things, but it is painful to, to walk people through divorce and to, um, and to point to where God is in the midst of that um, and to point to where self is and the lament for a life that's lost. Like I said, just a little while ago, that lament of, of who you thought and how you envisioned this marriage to be um, is something that you really have to go through. And it's something that the soul desperately needs because too often we don't allow ourselves to lament. We don't allow ourselves to grieve that, uh, but it's just as much of a loss as as a physical death is, um, right? Is that loss of who you thought it was, who you thought you're going to be? And, and you know, there's passages of scripture that I go through that that are this, that are that are certainly um, balms, I guess, if you will, in those moments. Um, you know, there's a passage from Isaiah: "When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you, and through the waters they will not overthrow you." Um, and when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, um, to, to see that God is our, um, 
as one who goes through life with us in those seasons as well. Um, and, and God doesn't prevent divorce from happening. God doesn't uh, uh, necessarily cause divorce happening, but God is present in the midst of it. It's a hard thing for people to to, to, to be with, to be, you know, to, to hear yeah. them. Um, one of the things I, you know, <laughs> I've got a few weddings coming up later in the year and, um, and I do, I, I mean, I'm going to be really honest with you. One of the things that I, uh, causing a, a marriage to be postponed as a, in, in, in a marriage counseling, um, I think is a, uh, there's part of me that goes, oh, that's, I know that's hard for them to face. But part of me is a little bit of a celebration inside. If I'm going to be a little bit morbid about it, because it's like I kind of did my job as a pastor to like say, "Hey, are you sure? Um, right. You know, are you are you ready for this? Do you do you know what this entails and what this requires of you? Because this is this is you. Um, there is something that you obviously lose that in in your marriage. Um, you lose a bit of, of of single ownership, single proprietor, whatever it might be, and and you you move into a life where it's obviously shared at that point, um, and therefore you do let go of things. Um, and people aren't ready to do that. And so if you can get people, if you can get the preventive, like, you know, pastor talk of the couple out of getting married, it's a, it's a, you know, we, 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 we give high fives to one another. Um, you know, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Their job. How many marriage, how many weddings have you done? Right, but yeah. How many weddings have you prevented? I've prevented. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. If my ratio is not one to one, then I'm failing. As a pastor. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, you know it's hard, man. But it is—it's a real thing. I think that this is this is one of those things that you just have to face. Like, um, you you see Diana throughout this movie just pain. It's it's painful to watch. Um, yeah, and, it and, is. And Charles too, and it's it's painful to see this unraveling and this almost this resignation of like, well, this is just how life's going to be for that season of like both people not invested, not caring. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I don't take it. I, I don't, it's, it's never a goal to, um, to, to break up a marriage and pastoral or in, in marriage counseling. I mean, that's not my objective at all, but by any means, but there is a, but there is a level of just like, um, being sure that we're, that we're being honest here, um, you know, yeah. in the moment. Um, and, yeah. Have you really thought about this aspect? Have you thought about, you yeah. know, that and, um, life pastor right is to point is to point to god in the middle of things and to like hold up there is some truth of like holding up a mirror to certain situations and certain circumstances that we do as pastors and there's but but all in the sense of doing it in a way that it's pointing to god right it's not mm -hmm. to, it's, it's never to hold up a mirror just to judge and condemn someone it's to hold up a mirror to like unveil some things and unmask some things in hopes that you point you're pointing to god in the midst of it right um, yeah that's true for for the the truth of of uh, premarital counseling is the truth for counseling when you're going through divorce too is to hold up and ask some tough questions um and to point people to god in the midst of that um is to say that you know this is um there are moments when like you like you're you're uh you don't have the words you don't have the human capacity to handle this right now and in those moments that's when you're full dependence on god it's a hard place to be in because it is you do have to just rely on the holy spirit to give the words and the grace and the humility to speak truth into that moment and to speak yeah. life into that moment too. Right. 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 You know, I think it also says something about, I, I think it has something to say about the messiness of life, you know, yeah. and maybe this again gets to that breaking down the, the facade of fantasy, but um, you know, 
two things can be true absolutely so at the same time princess diana and charles i don't think they needed to be married i don't think they needed to continue to be married i think that it was best for both of them to separate i, I think that, that was going to be the best thing for them um because that was going to be the best thing for their children and and all that at the same time i think it's amazing that they got two wonderful children out yeah. of this. Yeah. And, and that's always been tough for me to be like, what do you do with that? Right. Like, and, and, and that's why it's harder for me to sort of hold together a theology of, you know, every little thing is planned out and all this sort of stuff, because did, did God intend for, diana and charles to get married and then get divorced right. i don't i don't know that i would say that did god intend um for them to would god rather have them not have gotten married in the first place well, well I, I don't know but like you know but it's also inarguable that two blessings you know came out of it like right. these these children like i mean my wife and i are, are, are happily married and um unless she tells me otherwise, I think we're going to be so for a while. But, um, if, if anything were ever to happen, like good gracious, even if we couldn't make it last for a lifetime, at least we, we helped create two amazing little lives and two awesome little, little kids. And, um, you know, I don't, what does that say about God and divorce and all that? I, I don't know, but I also yeah. don't feel like I have to have a concrete answer on it. That's, you know, I'm um, so glad you said that. I agree. That's the, that's the key right there is I don't have to have the answer to that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the, the first thing that we do in those moments though, is to try to find the answer is to mm -hmm. try to answer the question. And the big thing is a pastor. Sometimes you just, you know, our, our number one tool as a pastor is not to give advice, but to listen. Right. And that's mm -hmm. kind of, that's the nature of, of how we engage these things is just to listen through and to help people get to that point of saying, I don't necessarily have to have the answer. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's right. All right. Well, <laughs> so okay. since we're on this topic and, um, and I want to make sure that we hit this before we wrap up, Yeah. this is a, what would you do? I have a friend who, um, was very early in his ministry. I'm talking like we were we were still in our twenties and like earlier, well, maybe like 24, 25, something like that. And he was doing maybe his first wedding for like some friends from home or something like that. And they were, um, getting married on the beach and <laughs> ceremony going great. Happy day for everybody. All that good stuff. Oh, no. It gets to the vows. Oh, no. The groom repeats the vows. It yeah. gets to the bride. Oh, no. She will not repeat the vows. Oh, no. You know, so he's there. I say her name, Sarah, and his name is Bob. I, Sarah, take you, Bob. Crickets. Yeah. <laughs> um, a little bit of laughing from the crowd. I, yeah. Sarah, take you, Bob. Still nothing. A little less laughter. And, and yeah. pretty soon, you know, it's just this awkward uncomfortable painful refusal yeah like what would you do i don't know what i would do, do. What, what, did he do? what did he do i mean what would i do i like i as the pastor in that moment um 
I like I'm floored. This is like a this is like a this you're you're like this is the type of thing that nightmares are created of. Um, as the groom in that moment, I would be, I would call I would just say let's have a conversation. Like like let's just hey everybody, want everybody go to the bar real quick? Grab yourself a beer. <laughs> That's right. That's right. A little bit. We're gonna talk about some things. We're gonna come back. And we're gonna wrap this yeah. up. One way or the other, yeah. the party's going on. Um, Go get a drink on her dad. Um, right, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Bill, you still got that tab open? Um, yeah. And, Little Miss No Answer, uh, she's going to buy you a drink while we... I don't know what I would do. I mean, like in the moment, um, I would say I would probably have a very brief... I'd pull, I'd, I mean, I'd probably have to whisper to her, do we need to take a second? Um, and then have to have a pastoral care moment. Um, and, yeah. just, and I might, I might be the one at that point to say, Hey everybody, why don't we pause? Why don't we kind of cut to the happy hour real quick, quick. And then we're going to come back um, and, and wrap this up. Uh, mm-hmm. at, uh, I mean, that's what you have to do. Like yeah. you're, as a pastor, you're not just the efficient, you're like the stage manager for the whole thing. Right. Like, so you're managing mm-hmm. like the whole situation. Uh, what did this guy do? What would you do? <laughs> um so i Pretend think like she said yes or something so, like yeah, so i i i'm kind of more where you are but it's taken me time one thinking about that scenario uh to to come to that i, th- I think it would be yeah sort of pulling them together and saying guys do we do we need to have a little conversation real quick would that be um because I kind of need you to say it, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, and uh, and consult with them real quick. And then, you know, there's no way not to make it awkward. So I think what you just said is is the best thing. You know, guys, we're going to we're going to put a pause in this uh, special day, um, you know, and uh, extend it a little bit. And uh, we're going to conclude it uh, in, a, in a little while. But for the intermission, go ahead and um, get a head start on the yeah. reception, on the celebration. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that's the route to go. But that's me, you know, now with um, 10 or so years of, of ministry, 12, whatever it is under yeah. my belt and having thought about the scenario multiple sure. times. Now, if I'm, if I'm, you know, a little seminarian, you know, freshly ordained and, uh, and, you know, standing at the beach in front of my friends and, and that happens, I'm, I, I'm, I don't, I don't know what I do. Um, no. maybe marry her myself. Yeah. <laughs> but, would it help you if we just did this? You well, know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I feel really bad for you. But yeah. Right. Um, so no, we but I, his name, you know, yeah, my friend, he, I think he, he ended up, you know, continuing and just, you know, saying, well, I'm going to keep going, you know, if that's okay with you, you know, and I yeah. guess he got affirmation or something that it was, but, uh, and, and I have yet to, I need to check in with him on that and be like, Hey man, whatever. How's did that couple take, doing? Yeah. Did it <laughs> yeah. Work? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did it, did it take so? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man. That's brutal. That's painful. You know, I, I, I like, those are, those are horror stories that you hear from, um, you know, and there, there's also, th- this is, this is some, we'll probably cut this from the podcast, but I remember uh, a friend of mine in college talking about her granddad and how um, on his deathbed as he's dying. Oh God. He's speaking to his daughter-in-law who, um, uh, and says to her, I should have married X 
and it's this different woman that he's been living with or not that he's been living thinking about since he was like 20 years old and like says this doesn't say it to his wife who's who's like in the house but not in the room oh, or um, his son who's in the house but not in the room says it to the daughter-in-law like his most trusted confidant and says i should have married rose you know when i was 21 when i had the chance um and it, which is like a uh a <laughs> Uh, essentially a regret of all of life, uh, how life yeah. is worked out, right? Yeah. You just think, oh my God, that is like the worst thing. I, I mean, that has haunted me since I heard oh, yeah. that. And it's almost like this lived in this internal fear of like, I hope that I'm not making, there's no decision that I've made. I mean, not, not anywhere close to marriage or family life, but I hope yeah. I don't regret like, man, have something that's eating away at me that, that has eaten, like been eating away at me for like 60 years or something like that. Anyways, just wild. Yeah. Let me think of that. We don't have to go down this marriage regret. Yeah, that, that's fine. Yeah. But, but yeah, to, uh, to yeah. say that and then, well, I'm glad your conscience is clear because well, yeah. yeah, now, now I have you to take that to the grave. This, this poor young woman in this, in this situation. And uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, do you, uh, did you ever watch The Office? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, I think about when, um, Michael Scott couldn't handle when he knew that Andy or that Angela was cheating on Andy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he told her like, as he was pulling out of the parking lot, like right. I'm, I'm imagining the, this guy about to flatline. And then he's yeah. just like, Oh, by the way, before I yeah, leave, I regret this night night. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh man. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, that's been, I, I think, I, I think we've, uh, We've you juiced know. this orange, brother. That's about all. I we think do. we've juiced this orange, and um, I think we got more juice maybe than um, we we thought there might be in it, which is you have good. Me, Paul. You have um, let yeah. let me leave you with sort of this this parting. I am not at all going to make the move where uh, I uh, lay forth an argument that Diana is a Christ figure in this movie. Okay, but I will just lay out um these uh similarities that i noticed and just encourage us to to sit with them so there was a um, long awaited uh aspect to her arrival you know who who is charles going to marry who is charles going to marry and the person that he marries comes in a manner very different than many might expect she's from humble origins um not some royal from some other family but just this um lovely little young uh kindergarten teacher preschool teacher um she ended up not being the princess that they wanted her to be they had their expectations of who she would be and um she did not fulfill them though for Many of the common people, um, not in privileged positions, uh, she was beloved and uh, she attracted many crowds because she connected and related to the crowds. They make a intentional point to um, to emphasize uh, that much. There's a scene, in fact, where they're trying to give her the protocol of how she's supposed to shake hands with the people and she can get close but not so close and all this stuff and and she she doesn't know how to do it any other way than just be authentic in front of them and hear their stories and shake yeah. their hands and yeah. love them. All people. Yep. Yeah. yeah um 
she touched uh, the sick, the people with AIDS. You know, this was a, a, a very scandalous thing, especially at that time when, um, you know, so little was uh, understood about um, AIDS and HIV. And there was so much um, so many stereotypes and all this horrible misinformation out there about it. But but she sat with the AIDS patients and 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 touched the sick and um, cared for the sick, the childhood cancer and like all this humanitarian aid that she did, landmine uh, crisis and things like that. Um, she uh, had this weird, like almost friendship at the beginning uh, with Camilla Parker Bowles, who thought she was going to be one way. But when Diana wasn't that way, Camilla Parker Bowles kind of, I don't know, betrayed her a little bit, a little Whoa. bit like a a little bit like a, 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 a some guy that maybe we know. Uh, and um, I think ultimately she was killed by a rigid devotion to the old ways, um, yeah. you know, uh -huh. to uh, this idea that no, 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 we will not change. We will chew you up and we will spit you out. But um, the truth of the new way will not die. And her light carries on. So again, not to, well, not folks, to draw the hard line. You heard it here first. Reverend Paul Burgess, pastor of University Baptist Church in downtown Chapel Hill, believes that Diana is a correct figure. <laughs> oh, man. That's oh, good. No, I think that there is. No, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Obviously, like there's the, the, the point that like we're not making the direct parallels, but there are there are ways in which there are. It's interesting to look at, at at Christ through the lens of her, you know, and not her through the lens of Christ, right? But to look at um, Christ and say, ah, we've seen this story mm. before, her yeah. story, we've seen that before of like how quick, you know, how quick crowds can turn and how mm -hmm. um, old ways rub meet against new ways and an empire, literally. Mm. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally. Uh, chew people up and, and spit people out, right? Um, in a way that uh yeah that is that is like devastating that the world hurts as a result of it yeah that's interesting you draw some interesting parallels there paul that's interesting mm. that's mm. dangerous to, you know that's that's mm. a well you know like you said i we we um i think we got more juice out of this than we ever thought we would so uh i, you, I consider yes. it a success i came in thinking that this was going to be a 10 minute conversation uh paul and uh and we went uh, far longer than I ever. How about that? How yeah. about that? Here we go. Just goes to show that in storytelling, no matter the story, God shows up. That's and right. Off. That's right. Uh, and you know what? Every sermon doesn't have to be a home run for you yeah. to get some good truth out of it. That's right. It's daily bread, man. It doesn't have to be a feast. Give us this day our daily bread. Boom. All we got to do as pastors is just give a little bit of food. That's right. It gets you to the next sermon. That's so. right. Every day is not Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. So, all right. Um, the quickest part of this podcast, canonization. I'm guessing it's a hard no from you. <laughs> That's a hard no. <laughs> That's a hard yeah. no. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I think, one, I should say that I believe the vote should be unanimous for such an honor as canonization to be uh, laid upon a film. So uh, my vote would be irrelevant. But I, I would also say no. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, as I said. I enjoyed it more than than most, I think, but um, I don't know that it rises quite to the level of a, of a coda or or others, or really most movies. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, 
do we know what we're looking at next? I don't know. I mean, we can't, you know, we had an option. We had a Disney movie um, that we wanted to take a look at. So Encanto, is that what we're talking about? Take a look at next time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I we'll, still have not seen it. That's the crazy thing. Is I know, you know the music, what? I haven't seen it, so I'm excited. Ben, I'll be honest with you, father of two right here, but I I have seen the first third of it. Okay. Um, and and then that was it. But I enjoyed what I saw so far. So I'm looking forward to see how it ends. And I'm really looking forward to hearing that song about Bruno that everybody's singing. But we don't talk about him. We don't talk about him, but we sing about him. Yeah. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So. So. All right, right. man. Well, until next time. uh, All right. Thanks for your, uh, uh, you know, great insight. Thanks for your pointing to God and all things and uh, happy, happy viewing this week. All right. Yes, sir. Happy, happy viewing and reviewing to you. Reviewing, reviewers. <laughs> See you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>